for a while I was excited and all like I'm doing this thing. And then for the next two, three weeks, I was like, man, what did I just do? You know, like just sweating bullets. This runs radio episode 1086 starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey, y'all. Today's episode of the show is brought to you by the folks over at Amino Co., specifically talking about the Heal Blend today, which is kind of your your post-run, post-race recovery drink. At least it is for me, especially on those long-run days. You know, finish, finish a good long, you know, 10, 12, 15 miles, something like that. And uh, I've often been hesitant to dive into the recovery drink market because so often, like, yeah, there's some good stuff in a lot of drinks out there, but there's also a lot of stuff that I don't want, specifically a whole mess of sugar, carbs, things like that, that I know some of you are into when it comes to your post run drinks or just, you know, whenever time drinks. But, uh, for me, not exactly what I'm looking for post run enter heal from amino co all the things I need, the amino acids, the, the building blocks of muscle recovery, getting, you know, kickstarting that recovery process, making sure that my muscles are, are getting rebuilt after a good workout or a good long run. And, uh, not, the massive sugar bomb that I'm not as much into. So whether you like the sugar or not, you know, when it comes to, to post run post race recovery, I would definitely encourage you to give heal from amino company a shot. My, my two cents for whatever it's worth, mix it in with your coffee. Now there are some flavors. There's a grape flavor, a sour apple flavor. I'm going to not tell you, you can't mix that in with your coffee, but I'm not sure that's going to be legit, but the vanilla in with a cup of coffee, not bad. Next time I'm planning to try the chocolate. Next next order, going to get that chocolate flavor. See if that gets a little little mocha choca in my coffee without the sugar bomb. You know, win win as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but how you take it? You take it in with with some water mixed in with your smoothie. You got options. But I'm going to say coffee and amino co. That's a, that's a match right there. That that is a winning formula as far as I'm concerned. And if you want to test it out, give it a shot. Head over to aminoco.com slash disruns. That way they know you came from here. Make sure that they know that their sponsorship money, their advertisement money is is working. Uh, but also make sure you use the code disruns at checkout. That'll save you 30% on anything that you get. Any of the different blends that are available. We talk primarily about Perform and Heal, but there's other blends available as well. All with the good stuff, none of the bad stuff. And whatever kind of dietary situation that you might be in, keto, vegetarian, gluten-free, all of the things... They pretty much work in all of the different types of diet systems that you might have. If it's working for you, AminoCo can fit in there seamlessly and just give you give you more of what you need, none of what you don't. So check it out, AminoCo.com slash DizRuns. Thanks to them for sponsoring today's episode. And again, make sure you use the code DizRuns at checkout. Save yourself 30%. Now, without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey y'all, my uh, my guest today is someone that is uh, all in on going long with his running pursuits. Um, in the past and also in the future, we're talking about multiple day races. We're talking about races where 100 miles is is 
I don't want to say just getting started because it's a hundred miles, but like, let's not kid ourselves. Not even halfway point with a hundred mile distance um, or at the hundred mile distance, which is ridiculous and, and long, long winded way of saying um, when it comes to endurance running, this guy is something of a, of a machine. And uh, I'm looking forward to learning a bit more about him. What draws him to these, as far as I'm concerned, ridiculously long races. Uh, and who knows what else we'll talk about today. Got a lot of, a lot of things going on. So let's get the party started by officially welcoming Mr. Om Gandhi to the show. So thanks for joining us today. Om, really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me on the show and appreciate the awesome intro machine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. You can, you can, uh, you know, take that, take that run with it, add it to your profiles, all the things, own the machine. Uh, but y'all, if you enjoyed today's conversation, want to follow along with Omen and, and, you know, see the things that he's got on tap and, and who knows what else is, is coming even beyond the, uh, semi immediate horizon at the Om Gandhi is the handle on Instagram. Probably the best place to connect and follow him along. And that's the pretty straightforward T H E. Om is A-U-M, and then Gandhi, G-A-N-D-H-I, at the Om Gandhi on Instagram. Of course, we'll have that linked up in the show notes if you're out on the out on the go. Uh, you're kind of not sure exactly how the spelling, things like that. Dizruns.com slash 1086. We'll have uh, all the, the write-ups, the show notes, all the links. We'll have some other links I'm sure that we'll talk about today as well. But also, of course, that link to Om's social media handle on Instagram there. Uh, Dizruns.com slash 1086. So, um, the way we always start off each episode of the show is with a pretty simple and straightforward answer. Or, I'm sorry, questions. The, the question is straightforward. Sometimes the answer is a little bit complicated, and especially for you ultra-running people, um, of which I guess I'm kind of technically one. I've done a handful of 50Ks, stretched my legs out to about 45 miles is, is the longest I've gone. So I guess I'm, I'm one of us. Uh, I, I am one of these ultra-people as well. Um, but you deep-end ultra-people have a lot of choices to, to answer with the question. Uh, but one way or the other, it's a good place to start the conversation. It's just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? Well, I'll start by saying that ultras in general are just amazing and amazing community. Uh, for me, for, with all the ultras I've done, I really like the multi-day stuff that I've done. I've done a 72-hour race. I've done a five-day summit challenge. And it's there's kind of this sense of like, you know, once you get in there and once you start the race, you, there's a sense of like buckling into this long journey and you don't have to think about tomorrow or the afternoon. And, you know, you're just focused, you kind of escape from life and you're just focused on what's actually kind of like a microcosm of life itself, where you're just focused on these highs and lows and getting to A and B for four or five days and being able to do something like that and do it for what I do it for is just, amazing and i'm so grateful for it yeah that's that's uh that's awesome and and i'm i'm definitely still uh haven't done any multi-day events outside of a couple of like multi-day challenges where it's you know one race one race one race type of thing but never never anything where i'm going for literally all day every day for multiple days um but i'm intrigued by it for sure it's something that that i could see maybe maybe someday i need to be careful i need to watch my words because people start holding you holding you to things when you say things on the podcast but i could see myself maybe dipping my toes in those waters at, at some point and uh, looking forward to getting back into some of these multi-day challenges, some of the things you've done, like you said, the, the kind of the reason why you do some of the things you do. But uh, first I'd like to kind of start a little bit closer towards the beginning. What, what got you into running? Is that something that's kind of always been part of your life? Something a little bit more recently, where'd you first dip your, dip your toes into the running waters? So I first, uh, can trace my running journey back to about four and a half years ago, back April 2018. There's just a lot of things going on with my life. Uh, really tough job working 80 hours a week and civil engineering industry, just 
um, a bunch of like financial issues, family issues, just basically a bunch of things culminating together. And I was just kind of looking for um, an outlet. I mean, to preface, you know, there have been weight fluctuations and health fluctuations throughout my life. And most of those were physical. This is the first time I'd ever picked up anything for mental health reasons. And running just seemed like the easiest thing to get into because really, um, when you simplify it, it's really just putting on uh, gym clothes and putting on running shoes and just getting out there. And it's uh, pretty easy to just get out the door and do it. And so that's what I did one night and basically made it down my block uh, before I gave up like a quarter of a mile. was feeling really sick, really out of shape, but something drew me back to that feeling and I kept coming back every single day and it's just one thing led to the next. And I mean, here I am. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I'm always, um, I don't know what the quite the right word is, but when I, when I hear the story of somebody who, who, you know, starts running and, and pretty much, um, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, they, they were hooked from, from day one where like the first run was just magical and like everything was like great beyond that. Like I have a I have a hard time relating to that, so I, I don't like to hear the stories where it's a little bit more of a struggle. But I can relate better, I guess, to the stories where it's a little bit of a struggle, um, and and kind of took you know that, that first run doesn't sound like it was. I mean, you can remember it, but maybe not for all the the best reasons in terms of just uh, you know, feeling great, like you said, feeling just miserable and sick. But but for whatever reason, kind of kept going, um, and and coming back, you know, the next day and doing it again and doing it again. Uh, at, at what point, and it, it doesn't have to be exact, but was it, was it a while before you started to actually enjoy the runs, feel more, more, um, feel more of the, the, the feel goods and the, yeah, that was, that was great. Or was it a while where like this, this, for, for lack of a better way of saying it, this sucks, but I'm going to keep doing it for some reason. Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. I would say probably about a month, month and a half was probably where I hit the point and kind of went over like a proverbial wall where I was like, uh, man, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I guess I just got to the point where I was like, man, I'm just tired of quitting stuff and I'm just going to see what happens if I stick with it and stuck with the run walk and was pretty miserable for a while and just kind of hit that wall where nothing was working and decided to go over it this time and just keep pushing and just hit that first like high and um, but yeah, it took maybe like a month, month and a half before I really started to see it. And even now it's still a balance of like, you know, it sucks most of the time. It's like type two fun, but then, you know, you stay in it for those good moments and the people in the community. So, uh, definitely still a balance of that. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think maybe that's one of those things that non-runners struggle to wrap their heads around is that, is that every run isn't perfect and every run isn't great. And, and you know, there's a lot of days, maybe not where it's it's miserable for those of us that, that enjoy running, but like there's a lot of days where it's just kind of a slog, you know, like, like, yes, you know, you know that the ends justify the means and you know that like, I'm going to, I'm going to feel better for having completed my run, whether it's a couple miles or 10 miles or whatever distance you got on the calendar or race that you're doing that day. Um, but it's not always, you know, the proverbial rainbows and unicorns from the moment you step out of the door to the moment you get back inside. Um and, and yeah, you know, it's, it's sometimes it just takes a little while to, to get out there. And I know I've had the days, and I'm sure you probably have as well, where the first mile pretty, eh, not so great. But like, once you get into it, you're like, all right, I was thinking about cutting this one off, but like, no, like now I'm a mile and a half, I'm two miles in, I'm feeling good. Like, 
we'll get we'll get the full the full workout today because you know we got started and that's half the that's three quarters of the battle most of the time. Oh yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, just getting out the door is one of the toughest things. But if you just kind of get up and just go through the motion of like just get those shoes on and get out and start running and get past what you said is like that first mile, then uh, I think they even call it like the toxic 10 minutes or something mm-hmm. like that, like those first 10 minutes. I mean, sometimes there are runs that start good and they end up bad. And a lot of times there's runs that you don't feel like you're doing them, want to do them, your legs feel heavy. And then you get two, three miles in, like you said, and you start to feel pretty good. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, you know, you get through that first month. All right, maybe this is starting to, to work. And, and I'm sure that, at least I'm assuming, you know, you start to see some of the mental benefits as well of just like, like yes, you know, just feeling better, um, not just physically, but mentally, since, since it sounded like that was part of, of getting started and life is crazy and maybe it's helping to kind of work through some things. Um, where, you know, I mean, the, the timeline, if I heard you correctly, was, you know, four and a half years ago, wasn't, wasn't that long ago. I mean, it wasn't just yesterday, but it wasn't, uh, you know, it's not like this has been a decades long thing. Um, where did you kind of first hear about the ultra world? And, and, you know, I feel like, you know, a month in, you're starting to like it, like, all right, like, let's talk 5k, 10k, maybe half marathon, something like that. Um, but how long did it take you to go? You know what? A marathon is not even that big of a, I mean, it's a big deal, but it's not even that, you know, like I want to go beyond that. Like I, like I want to stretch my legs out to, you know, ultra marathon type of distance. How long did it take you to take that plunge? So 2018 was kind of a weird year because I still saw the marathon as kind of like the pinnacle of like achievement for, uh, just the typical person. Um, and then you know, I just, uh, I went on YouTube and there was some curiosity of like, man, what are, what must the toughest races in the world be like? And I looked up, I think toughest race in the U S or something like that. And it was like the Bigfoot 200 or something. Uh, <laughs> and then there was a documentary. I don't know if you're familiar with it. There's a REI documentary called how to run a 100 that I've watched many times over since 2018. And it got me first fascinated in the hundred mile distance. And at the time, you know, just getting ready for my first 5k, then my first half marathon, I was thinking, man, there's like people, then there's like us people, the athletes who do the marathon. And then there's like these superhuman gods or something (laughs) who are like the 1% of the 1% of the 1% doing this thing. And that's how it looked to me at the time because of where, uh, my relative frame was. So, so again, I mean, like, and it, it all makes sense, you know, like, like here's where I am and these people are doing, I mean, literally 10 X or beyond of, of what you're doing at that point. Um, were you, were you intrigued or, or at least like maybe someday or were you kind of just dismiss it? Like when you first start hearing about these things, you're watching the documentaries, you, you're, you're finding the things on the YouTubes, which, you know, Lord knows that that can be a, a blessing and a curse. You start diving into the YouTube rabbit holes, but like, like, I mean, for me still at this point, you know, I've been, been running for, I guess, probably the better part of 10 or 12 years, been doing the show for eight years, talking to, to all sorts of, of runners of different distances and experience levels. And like, like I mentioned earlier, like I'm intrigued by the idea of a multi-day race, but like, I'm not chomping at the bit to like get out there and push myself for 24, for 48, for 72 hours or beyond. Um, what, you know, were you, were you onto it right away or, or like, I guess, you hear about it, but when did you start really actually making it happen? 
I was definitely dismissive at first. Um, I was thinking, man, I just want to get to the point where I can do a marathon. Even that looks scary to me. So I was still doing half marathons up until like late 2019. And then I dove in. In late 2019, I signed up for my first marathon. I thought, wow, man, that's scary. Like that had me like sweating just as much as my first 5K, sweating just as much as my first half marathon. And then, of course, 2020, this thing called the pandemic happened and all the road races were canceled. And uh, so I started jumping on trails again for mental health issues, just been hiking for a while and decided to see what would happen if I combined the two and uh, jumped on the trails and started running and, um, you know, felt like the whole world was falling apart back then and just decided like with only 16 miles as my longest run, decided to commit to my first hundred miler back in, it was like July of 2020 and the race was like April of 2021. And for a while I was excited and all like I'm doing this thing. And then for the next two, three weeks, I was like, man, what did I just do? You know, like just, sweating bullets and but I would say that was where it really started to take shape I've always been that kind of guy who sets like really big benchmarks and then kind of just like figures out says I'll figure it out on the way there like I got to do this 50k to get there I got to do this to get there but that was when I signed up for that like I did not have any idea what I was getting into I just knew this is something I wanted to give a shot and it might be a one and done thing. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that, that to a certain extent, you could have run as many marathons as you want. You could run 10, 20, 50, a hundred, whatever. Um, but taking that jump to a hundred miles, shoot, even taking that jump to 50 miles, even to, I mean, 50 K may, maybe at that point, like, you know, and I don't mean to disparage it, but like, it's five miles farther, plus or minus, like you could probably figure that out pretty, at least have a pretty good idea of like, I've done 26, I can do 31. Um, but, but making that jump, you know, from, from marathon veteran to hundred miler, like that's, that's yeah. Like, you know, to your, to your point, like, what are you getting yourself into? Like, you don't really know. Um, but for having done your, your longest run being, you know, 16 miles to that point, um, and then figuring out as you go, was it, was it relatively like, what was that process of kind of figuring out leading up to your, to your first hundred? Was it relatively smooth sailing, lots of stops and starts? Like, how did you, how did you go through that process of figuring out here's, here's where I am, here's where I'm trying to go. Here's the, the plan to get there. Um, so I think the place that I started was something like, uh, how long does it typically take to train for a hundred mile um, if you've done a marathon, it's a benchmark. So what I did was it was like July. So that's like nine months to my first hundred miler. I'd done 16 miles. I'd been out of like, I hadn't done that long run in a while. So I was basically starting from scratch on the training. And so I decided, all right, for three months, I'm just going to focus on working towards my first 50 K and working towards the marathon benchmark that I was doing. And then that'll give me six months to work from that 50K marathon benchmark to my first 100 miler. And it just, there's just lots of Google, lots of YouTube videos, a lot of trying a bunch of things that stuck and a lot of things that didn't stick and making all the mistakes in the book because, you know, it was still the COVID times and people weren't really going out in the ultra running community. So a lot of the stuff I was doing solo and by myself and kind of just figuring out. 
Um, and the process was just kind of like, like that, just doing a bunch of long runs, doing a lot of workouts, putting in miles. And it wasn't probably until February when I did my second 50 K that I actually ran the entire thing with the person who would end up being my future ultra running coach, uh, Heather Cashpole. And she, uh, she kind of helped me pave the rest of the way the last two months from February to training. And I probably wouldn't have been able to finish my first race without her. So my first hundred mile without her. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Always, always nice to have, and, and, you know, maybe this is self-serving as well, cause I also do coaching, but like, it's always, you know, there is, there is that benefit of having somebody to like, you know, not only to help you figure out what to do, or maybe just to tell you what to do and you can just focus on doing it. But also to have that that resource of of you know when questions come up when things when life happens and you've got to adjust a little bit um, you know do I do X or Y and probably a lot of times both options are valid are are valid both options will probably work um, but sometimes just having somebody else decide and tell you hey just do X and then you don't even think about Y anymore instead of like waffling back and forth and uncertain and did I make the right decision uh, can can certainly be helpful so working with a coach you, you've figured out some things you're working towards the first hundred miler. Um, you know, like you said, still, still, you know, uh, early 2021, like we're starting to sort of get back to quote unquote real life, but certainly not all the way there yet. Um, what was, what was your first hundred mile race experience like? Oh man, absolutely crazy. And still probably my most memorable finish. Uh, I just to, just to kind of like, uh, put, the climax out there. Uh, I, it took, I finished with two minutes left. I was a DFL person and <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was, it took me, I was about on my feet for like 36 hours. It was the Zion 100 and, um, yeah, things just sort of fell apart after the first 50 miles. Um, I suffered an ankle injury and with 20 miles left in the race, I was basically doing a one foot, uh, with trekking poles and just started to have a bunch of like GI issues and nutritional issues due to the heat and, um, was just like, you know, my feet were all messed up and was just fighting, um, cutoffs constantly. And, um, I don't think I would have finished that race if it wasn't for, um, aid station captain, uh, and good friend, Rob Rich, um, at the last aid station. Uh, so there were basically like 40 minutes left and I was out on this, like, it's like a little slick rock loop. That's like an out and back to the last aid station before you do the two miles to the finish. And so I was on that loop running out of water. And I thought, according to the Avenza maps, I had four miles left and I had only 40 minutes to go and I'd been doing 20 minute miles. So uh, that was the, the first time in the entire race. Yeah, that was probably the first time in the entire race I thought, Oh man, I'm going to have to start making excuses. Like I got to tell my parents, like this is all for nothing like that. And then also wrestling with thoughts, like, you know, like, you know what? I made it this far. My watch is a hundred miles. That's a hundred miles. Like I'm going to get to the finish line, whether it's an official or unofficial finish. And I was just kind of walking and I saw Rob there getting ready to pick up flags. And, um, he called out to me, him and his daughter and, they said, nah, dude, you're not four miles away. That's wrong. You're actually two miles away. Ah, now the numbers uh, look, look a little bit like, more doable at that point. 
Yeah. And he start and he started setting the pace for me in the back. Um, and he said, come on, like, we'll get you there. Let's go. And got to that last aid station. They helped top me off on water. And I told him like, look, uh, they asked me if they, you know, if we, they could come along. And I said, look, uh, you guys got me this far. I want you to come with me to the finish. And so we ran the last mi- two miles together. And I think Rob was looking at the clock and he said, look, man, I want you to sprint. I want you to give it everything you got. And I was like, dude, I'm basically, uh, I didn't even, at that moment, I didn't even care if I was on one leg. I think that was the only moment uh, in my entire ultra running career so far where I said, I don't care what the repercussions are after this. I'm just going to sprint. I don't care if my leg is broken for the rest of my life. This is a one and done thing. I'm going to sprint this thing out. And by sprint, I mean like 11 minute mile or something. I love at the end of uh, at the end of an ultra, you hear people talking about sprinting or or even just like I've I've heard stories of you know so and so wants me to to pace them or has asked me to pace them at the end of this hundred miler and it's like I can't run their pace. It's like don't you don't have to like at the end of a hundred mile they're not running their seven minute miles anymore or whatever like <laughs> like like they're, they're they're hiking you know you can you can keep up but yeah an eleven minute sprint at the end of a hundred on one leg. That sounds pretty impressive to me. We'll we'll take that. We'll call it a sprint. Yeah, I rolled into the finish with Rob and just let out the scream and I got to the finish line and my body just sort of fell apart after I crossed the finish and um, I made it uh, with two minutes left and uh, got the buckle and just gave Rob a big old bear hug and uh, parents were there, family was there, really amazing moment you know, ultra running community. So majority of the people were there still cheering me on. Um, yeah, that's a finish I'll never forget. But one thing that was interesting was up until I crossed that finish line, I was thinking of it as a one and done. But as soon as I crossed that finish line and was still able to stand on my feet, I knew it was only the beginning. Can you, I don't know if you can put into words because sometimes those types of things, like it's just, you just know, um, but but can you put into words what what the switch was that flipped like why why did you go in that moment from one and done to oh like you said just this is the beginning i think it was the sprint that caused me to do that because up until those last 30 40 like last 30 miles i've been doing like 20 25 minute miles and just hobbling and then you know for me to feel like i had nothing left in my tank and then um uh, just sending it and seeing if I actually did and realizing I had so much more to give. I think that was what flipped the switch. And I think that's what brings people back to these races, just seeing if when they get back to that moment of where they're in pain, if they can give, you know, can I give just a little bit more? I, you know, it feels like I have nothing left in the tank, but do I actually, what happens if I actually try to sprint or go hard here? And I think I crossed like this proverbial, like, I crossed another proverbial wall and I realized that there's more to give. Yeah. Yeah. And, and clearly, like we said in the intro and, and as we're about to get into, um, you know, hundred miles, like that's, that's sometimes not even the halfway point for some of these races and, and challenges and things like that, that you've done. But one more, one more question on that first hundred and, and, um, specifically on the recovery from it, what, you know, messed up your ankle. Like you said, your feet were all, all, all jacked up and torn up, which, you know, again, not terribly uncommon after going for 36 straight hours. Um, you know, how did you, how did you get through or what was your recovery process like after that, that first hundred mile race? Oh, the recovery for the first hundred mile took forever. I was, it took almost, 
I was back and up doing another race in late May, a 24 hour race. But I mean, I probably shouldn't have. (laughs) (laughs) It, it, It was probably like two and a half months before I started to feel like myself again. And actually had to be wheelchair to urgent care the next day because my family was so concerned about me (laughs) and uh, they ran all the tests and i mean the tests were just like typical of what somebody's body composition would look like after 100 but the ankle definitely needed some time um so yeah that was interesting day after again wheelchair into urgent care and then you know feet were messed up for a long time and it was just, you could just feel like something was off with your body composition, like something just didn't feel right. And that's how I probably felt for about five or six weeks. And then even like four weeks after that, like I felt normal, but I would go for a run and still felt like something was off afterwards. Right. Right. And that's, you know, and and again, it, it doesn't necessarily matter how long the race is, although longer races typically are going to have a longer recovery. But I, f- I feel like that's pretty common. You push yourself, again, whether you're pushing yourself for, for 10K half marathon, you push yourself for 100 miles or, or farther, you, you put it all on the line. Um, you know, it takes, it takes how, however long it takes to start feeling normal. But a lot of times that first, first few runs, sometimes maybe that first couple of weeks of running back again, um, you know, you, you feel like you're all right in day-to-day life. But, man, it, it's, it's not quite there when you, start, when you start picking them up and putting them down in, in the running motion again. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, just, you just, like I say, you just know something's off. And um, I think the more of them you do, the more you start to adapt to it. But you also start to realize, like, what is a, like, normal soreness and what is, like, I need to ease off the gas and just focus on recovery. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And that's a whole, a whole nother trail we, we could go down and maybe I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't mind looping back to that a little bit after we get uh, across some of these, these, you know, next steps in, in the journey. So the, the first hundred miler, you know, maybe it wasn't pretty, but by God, it was, it was a good experience, a positive experience, something like you said, you, you'll probably never forget. Um, but again, you know, you get to hundred miles, like, all right, that was pretty awesome. Like you, you flip the switch at the finish line. I want to do this again. Are you thinking I want to do hundred milers again? Or are you thinking let's, let's, you know, let's go five days. Let's go three days. Let's go six days. Let's go 200 and something odd miles. Like, like what, what was the, I, I want this to be the beginning like for you as far as more hundreds or, or let's go even farther. Uh, it was kind of both. Um, I wanted to see, uh, how much better I could do on a hundred mile. So I committed to another hundred mile, actually pretty last minute, but before I, before I committed to that second hundred mile, I actually, about a month after my uh, Zion 100, I committed to a 48-hour race at Across the Years, um, Arvipa. It's just, it's a one-mile loop course, and I wanted to see how many miles I could do in 48 hours. I was thinking like 140, 150, and eventually through... Um, a good peer pressure from equally amazing and even more amazing friends. I upped the distance to 72 hours and saw if I could go to wanted to see if I could go to 200 miles. And that was just kind of like shooting the bar high. And uh, somewhere in between that, I paced my friend uh, Hector Rodriguez, who actually was the first 619 San Diego, um, triple crown of 200s finisher. 
uh, I think he was like the 56th in history to finish the triple crown 200s. And I paced him for like 90 miles of Moab. And, you know, I came out of Moab at 240 and I thought like, man, I, I'm still moving well. I don't feel as sore and broken as I thought I would be. Like that was 90 miles of pacing, a lot of time on my feet. I'm just going to go ahead and I can't really waste this week of training and I'm going to go ahead and sign up for a hundred mile or that's like three weeks out. <laughs> uh, so that was a thing in itself, right? Like it took me nine months to train for my first one. I wanted to see if I could do one off my feet in three weeks because I wanted to go and do a 72 hour race like eight weeks after that. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the next steps. Yeah. I, I feel like if there is anything typical about ultra running and, and especially the, the higher ends of the ultra running, it's like, once, once you kind of get there, people, for lack of a better way of saying it, go a little bit nuts with just doing all of the races. But hey, you know, like, like it, it, it works for them and, and it's something that you enjoy. And, and again, I think it's important to, yes, you're pushing yourself, but it's also, a, it's, I don't know, it's just a different kind of grind than like trying to hammer out a marathon or, or something like that on the roads where you're just, just going as close to red line as possible. Like I'm, obviously there's some redlining in the, the hundred milers as well, but it's, I don't know, it's just, it's just different. And, and it, it doesn't always work for everybody to do a bunch of them in relatively short order. Um, but a lot of people do it. So somehow, somehow it works out, but, um, 72 hours at across the years. And, and again, I mean, we're talking not too long into your ultra running career, you know, and, and let's, let's run for, for three days. Um, what was, First question, just in general, uh, for people that don't know what across the years is, you, you mentioned a little bit in there, one mile loop, but there's several different day options. Like there's a 24 hour option, right? I, I believe up to like eight or 10 days, something like that. For people that have no idea what across the years is, never heard of it. Can you just give a quick synopsis of kind of why it's named what it is and, and kind of what it's, what it's all about? Yeah. So across the years is a race that takes place between Christmas and actually goes through the new year, which is why they call it across the years. Um, and they have distances from like six hours. They have a 12 hour distance, 24, 48 and 72 and six day distance, which I'm actually doing this year. Um, they also have like last man standing and, uh, basically they have a bunch of different challenges you can do and they all take place on this one mile loop in like the Dodgers training facility in uh, Glendale, Arizona. Um, and that the whole people think it's crazy doing like these loop races, but I think they're like, it's like a big festival social event. You know, you're going a one mile loop. You can't help but talk to people and have a good time and uh, might even become like my, my own new year's tradition for sure. Yeah. So that's kind of just the summary of it. So how did, how did the first, the first iteration, which was less than a year ago, you know, at the, at the, the turn of the year, 2021 to 2022, 72 hours longest uh, at that point, that was the longest that you'd done, right. As far as consecutive, you know, time of, of running, how did that, that event go for you? Yeah, it was, it was so 36 hours was the longest I was on my feet. Uh, at Zion 100, uh, it was actually, so it ended up being double the time on feet at 72 hours. And, um, I didn't hit my benchmark of 200 miles, but you know, that's just kind of like the aim high and my kind of like my fail big philosophy. I'd rather fail big than win small because that's where the growth is. Um, 
I got to about, let's see, they'd lock me at 168.8 miles and that was good enough to be the third place male. So that was really cool. Uh, and yeah, it was just, I learned a lot of things, uh, especially about going through not just one night, but like three, three different nights. Um, and just seeing how my body would react to multi days and how you need to schedule your sleep. Because, you know, if you do more than one day, you absolutely need to sleep at some point and just seeing how my body would held up. And overall, I was pleasantly surprised by how much I was actually able to do. How, how did you end up scheduling your sleep? Was it short, short naps, a longer spell? How did you, how did you kind of make that happen over the three days? Uh, my strategy was like proactive sleep. So on the first night I did like, um, a couple hours of sleep, you know, I came in like around the 11, 10, 11 hour mark. I came in, looked at the clock and I saw like, Oh snap. I'm like first place right now. I should probably ease off the gas. I'm going a little bit too fast. I'm going to do some proactive sleep. And from there it was just like based on feel. Um, I think what I found out about myself from doing the sleep in multi days is that I'm more of a power nap type of person than I am like a long one, two hour sleep because, you know, every time you wake up for a long sleep, like, yeah, like it helps your body, but you also like stiffen up and then you're just like, I'm like doing like this hobbling, like, I don't even know what to call it. Like a pirate limp or something for like <laughs> 30, 40 minutes before my body starts to warm up again. So um, yeah, so that was just kind of a trial by fire and I don't think I do long naps again so much as I would power naps, but I'm going to be able to test that both at Moab and in the six day setting. Yeah, for sure. Um, when it comes to the mentality or at least for you and your experience doing it the first time and, and obviously we'll see how it plays out again, uh, this upcoming new year period. Um, but, but what's, was it different for, I'm assuming it was different for you. What was the difference for you in terms of a set finish line, like at a hundred mile race or a 240 mile or whatever it is, like there's the finish line versus the clock is ticking and there, there, there is no finish line. Like you can go as far as you can go in this amount of time. Um, was that, what was that, that like for you mentally, that difference in, in finishing distance versus time scenario? I think it definitely depends on how people look at that. Uh, for a lot of people, the pros of doing the time race is that there are no cutoffs to make. Um, there's no point to point. You are familiar with the loop. You don't have to carry as much stuff because it's just a loop. Um, I would say the cons are maybe that like, you know, if you're not disciplined, then it's very easy to stop every time you're out of loop. And it's very easy to say, look, I just did a hundred miles. Like, I think that's good enough. Right. Um, I, I'm going to get my buckle. That's fine. You know? Um, so there's definitely pros and cons to it. I enjoy both point to point for the fighting against the cutoffs and the adventure. And I enjoy loop races because it's just kind of like a controlled environment where you can test the physical limits of your body and it's more of a social event. Um, so I would say probably those are the, that's the way I perceive the differences. Is for you personally, is one, I don't want to say easier because neither of them is necessarily easy, but is, is there one that, that works better for you or is easier for you to lock into mentally and, and one more of a struggle? Or are they both, like you said, pros and cons of both and, and they're just different and you just take them as different and that's, and that's that. 
I think it's pros and cons of both. I feel like sometimes uh, I'm able to bring more out of myself in time races or point-to-point races where I'm fighting against cutoffs. I'm out there in nature on these adventures. And then there's other times where I feel like at across the years, I was able to bring more out of myself in a time race. Uh, so I think it just is by a case-by-case gotcha. scenario. I haven't really found one to be uh, bring more out of me than the other. Right, right. Well, and, and, you know, I mean, you, you've, you've done a lot, but it's still only a, a couple of years of sample size. So who knows, you, you know, three years, five years, 10 years from now, um, you might, you might really find yourself nav, you know, orienting to one versus the other, you know, just, we'll, we'll see how it, how it goes, but, um, predict the future question, which are some of my least favorite questions, but, um, three, three days last year, you're aiming for the six day challenge this year. Um, what, what is, and I know that we've got other things to, to get to before you get to that point, but like, what, what are you anticipating if all goes well? Um, what's, what's the target? What's the, what's the plan? Do you have it to, you know, aim big, fail, fail big. That's okay too. But what, what are you thinking for six, six days at across the years this, this time around? Uh, so my fail big goal is to see if I can hit the 400 mile mark, which means average 67 miles a day. Uh, my, I'd say for sure, like I definitely want to cross the 300 mile mark and get that uh, gold 300 mile buckle. And just, you know, more importantly than that, uh, just continue to push uh, Ridstone family and uh, just keep running for charity because I think that's always going to be one of the biggest drivers for why I do longer, longer distances. Yeah. Speaking of which, thanks for, for teeing that up for me. I was going to get there, but uh, since we're there right now, let's, let's talk about it. You running for, for the Richstone family uh, organization charity. Tell us, tell us about that, that charity and why is it, why it's important for you? Uh, so I've been working with Richstone family ever since I was in college. Uh, we did, I was a civil engineering major and, you know, we did some garden projects for them. Um, you know, just kind of introduced the kids to like science, you know, like STEM, like science, technology, engineering, math, um, and just kind of build a good relationship with the staff and um, the volunteers and the kids and got to see firsthand um, just how dedicated they were and just how one for one, like the money and the donations and the funds were. And they're like a local Los Angeles charity. And I grew up in Los Angeles myself and in similar situations to those kids, you know, uh, grew up in poverty and just parents had essential jobs. And so I sort of, you know, I kind of resonated with the kids and um, it just became a familiar relationship. And I reached out to Ridstone again before across the years and tried to uh, go and to raise $2,500 for them through the race. And we got to 2,600. So decided to go um, bigger this year and go for $25,000. And currently we're at 7,300. So uh, hoping to get there with Moab 240 and, um, with uh, across the year six day. Yeah, that's, that's um, awesome. What? what uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh yeah, uh, I think you were going to ask what I was just going to mention, but uh, like, what is Ridstone yeah, about? Um, uh, Ridstone is basically a organization that adopts entire family units, as opposed to like just adopting the kids and separating the families. And their entire goal is to prevent domestic violence, child abuse, and help the parents with their generational trauma and just uh, keep families together and do it mostly in the lower income brackets in the Los Angeles area. 
and those are all things that really resonate with me and uh, just, you know, just a great, just a great group down at Ridgestone. I go down there and volunteer and don't necessarily go down there and give like an Al Pacino, like cinematic speech or anything. I just, I, I literally will spend days where I just go sit down there and just uh, tutor the kids or like help them with their crafts projects. And I just like being there, you know? And so um, I, I know a big thing for charities because we have so many is like, can we trust them? Like how, where's the money going? And, and so for me to have a familiar relationship with the charity where it almost feels like a family, it's very easy for me and uh, helps me stay more disciplined when I do my races because I know like it's for real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and that's and that's you know we we've talked to folks, various folks, and and uh, that have done different charity organizations. Sometimes the big organizations, sometimes the small organizations. They all they all make a difference, and they all they all, in my opinion, and I'm you know outside looking in, um, but they all fit to get like you know some are serving more locally, some are are bigger, broader missions, um, and everything in between. And and hopefully, um, you know, and I guess maybe I just I'm, I'm the trusting person where it's like, Hey, you know, sometimes, yeah, some like they're, they're doing good. So here's some money and hopefully do, do some good with it. Um, but, but it is nice to know that you've got this, you know, this personal connection and you're, you're there and you see it. Um, and that, you know, obviously makes it even more, more powerful for you. And, and hopefully we can, we can get a, a few folks to kick in a, a few bucks as well and, and continue to support it. We'll, we'll have the link. Uh, like you said, you're, you're still, still raising. Um, we'll have the link in the show notes today for anybody that wants to get there, because as always, those donation links are ugly links to just try to shout it out right here. It, it would, you know, 17 characters of nonsense and gobbledygook, but we'll just make it easy, <laughs> an easy click in the, uh, in the show notes. And it's also on your social media, right? Like you can, if, if people are following you on Instagram, they can click right there. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Excellent. So, uh, you know, as we're getting close to wrapping up, I feel like there's a lot of other stones left unturned that I would love to get into. Um, but, but quickly Moab 240, um, you know, that's, that's a big one that's coming up relatively soon. Um, what are you looking for? Um, you know, what, what are your expectations? How are things going as far as training preparations for, for the next big challenge on your, uh, on your agenda? Uh, preparation is going good. I just entered, uh, taper town. So three weeks of tapering coming up and, uh, had a, did a lot of races that really prepared me for this. And, um, you know, there's still that edge of the unknown and, um, I'm honestly super excited because all I'm really thinking at this point, other than the nerves is like, I get to go out here and have fun for four and a half days with really cool people. And, um, get to see like a big 240 mile loop, which, you know, shout out to Candace Burt, um, and just, uh, Garrett for, I don't know how to say his last name. I got to ask him that, <laughs> but he's the race director. Uh, but shout out to them. Cause it's not easy putting on like one big 240 mile loop like that. So I'm it's not easy super on, excited to put on a race with a smaller loop, let alone one big loop like that. That's there's so many moving parts and general and, Oh, it's ridiculous it's so hard being a race director. Um, I, so I'm super excited. And one thing I do want to say is that I'm officially on record as of last week, uh, going to be the first person representing India at this race. Um, so that is a super exciting thing for me and just the local Indian community that's supporting me. And, um, it's, uh, super excited for that and to represent Ridstone at the race. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, and, and congratulations and certainly um, all the best for that race and, and hopefully coming out of it healthy and, and, you know, beat up a little bit after 240 miles, but nothing too major and you get, get recovered and rested and, and ready to go for across the years. Um, one other thing that I know you've got going on is uh, a little, a little magazine project, run, try bike. Tell us a little bit about that. What's, what's going on there. I mean, obviously um, at least, you know, if you think about it, try a little bit of triathlon talk there as well, but some running talk as well. Um, what's, what's, uh, what's this project that you have? Uh, so run, try bike. Uh, and you've actually had him on the show, Jason Bahamundi. He's mm-hmm. the, uh, he's the other co-owner of run, try bike along with Angela Knight, uh, Nate, uh, excuse me, Angela, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm butchering, I'm butchering names today. Everyone except my own, but, um, as long yeah, as you get yours uh, right, everybody else can forgive you. That's, that's how I look at it. Yeah. So it's just run, try bike is just a, it's an endurance sports magazine. It's also a marketing company where we're trying to help race companies and other brands uh, get their name out there without charging them an arm and a leg. And it's also all about inclusivity, LBGTQ, disabled, minorities, uh, you know, women, no matter, no matter who you are, the important thing is um, you should feel comfortable at the start line. Um, regardless of who you are, everybody should feel comfortable at the start line. And that's kind of our motto. And, Jason and I uh, see this as a kind of like an organic community that's starting to bud where everybody supports each other. And we have a bunch of different voices that are just being vulnerable and honest. And we're not just triathlons. We got running information, biking information. We have a lot of sports psychology and nutritional experts. And um, our magazine is uh, free to view every month. It's a digital magazine and, uh, there's a free newsletter you can subscribe to on runtrymag.com and you'll get all the latest updates. Um, other thing is every Tuesday, we also do fireside chats uh, on Instagram live where we talk to really cool people. Um, so yeah, we just do a whole bunch of things to create this organic community that's inclusive to every single person. And we're just supporting and encouraging each other. And I love what we're doing. Awesome. I, I, I love it too. I, I just recently kind of discovered y'all, which obviously kind of helped with, with connecting um, with us and getting this lined up today, but uh looks like you've got a great thing, thing, thing started. And, and, you know, I mean, this, I like to think, and I'm biased, I'll admit to being biased, but like the running community, pretty awesome. From what I know of the triathlon community, the multi-sport community, also pretty awesome. Um, so, you know, bringing, bringing good folks together, hopefully more and more good comes out of it. So certainly wish you guys and, and, and everybody as part of the community, you and Jason and Angela and everybody that's, that's putting it together, um, continued growth and continued success and anything we can do to help spread the word, you know, just, just let us know and we'll happy to do it. And, um, y'all again, it's, it's run, try mag. And again, it's try like the triathlon TRI, not TRY. So run, try TRI mag.com. If you want to check it out. Um, on one, one last thing for you here is we're getting again, short on time. And I feel like we could keep going for, for a while, but I got to get you, I got to ask you a philosophical question before I can let you out the door. Um, which is nothing, nothing too scary. Kind of like the introductory question, very open-ended, take it wherever you want to go with it. Um, and, and that's where we'll kind of try to put a bow on things for today. But in the, in the time that you've been a runner, which, you know, math, I'm pretty good at math. And I feel like it's been about four and a half years, plus or minus something like that since 2018, that first run, that first quarter mile, that was just rough going down, going down the street, feeling not great, um, to where we are now running, you know, 72 hours, pretty soon running six days, running 240 miles at Moab. Um, 
what have you learned about yourself in your in your time as a as a runner? Um, that you know, who knows? Maybe you maybe you would have learned this lesson from some other pursuit or some other passion. But uh, something that you've learned or picked up about yourself in these four four plus years as a runner, um, I got to imagine there's a bunch of things. But anything that you can share before we let you out for today? Uh, two things I would say um, that I can that I can do hard things and that um, anybody can do what I do because I'm not like I'm not like some super athlete or anything. I'm just an average person who just shows up every day. And, uh, the other thing I learned is that just when you think you're figuring stuff out, um, you're really just getting started. Um, it's like, I think it was Plato who said it. All I know is that I know nothing and we're all just trying to get through this life. Um, just trying to figure things out. So we should all support each other and, uh, just be cool. Well, well said and uh, completely agree. So, uh, y'all, again, if you enjoyed today's conversation, you want to continue to follow along with Ohm and the things that he's got going on, some big things coming up in the not-too-distant future, the Ohm Gandhi on Instagram. Again, that's A-U-M-G-A-N-D-H-I with the in the front, T-H-E-A-U-M-G-A-N-D-H-I, the Ohm Gandhi on Instagram. Disruns.com slash 1086. We'll have the social media linked up there. We'll have the, the link to support Richstone family. If you're so inclined, you've got a couple bucks that you can you can share for a good cause. Uh, and everything else, races and things that we talked about today, Disruns.com slash 1086. Six uh, for the show notes. Um, thanks for uh, for making the time today. It was it was a pleasure, and and as is often the case, um, and I think I said this once or twice. I feel like we just scratched the surface. So many other things that I would have loved to have get in gotten into, um, and maybe you know if if uh, we're able to, and you're willing, somewhere in the the not too too distant future, maybe we can circle back, talk about Moab, talk about six days, uh, talk about whatever else is coming up. Um, but it's it's been a pleasure. Um, and certainly wish you nothing but the best going forward. Thanks for making the time and, and all the best to you, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to be back on the show. And thanks for having me, Denny. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. Hope you enjoyed the conversation between Omen and myself. And as per usual, be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode. What was your uh, takeaway du jour? Du jour. Um, for me... There were a couple of things, quite quite honestly, but the one that I'm going to go with for for y'all is um, kind of just just kind of an overall theme, I guess, of of Ohm's running journey so far, and the idea of of how much progress we can make in a short amount of time. And now, I'm not going to try to 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 fluff myself or or fluff y'all into thinking that you know if you can dream it, you can achieve it. Like you know, I mean, I could dream running a two hour marathon. I ain't going to achieve running a two hour marathon. But I think that sometimes for myself, and, and maybe you can relate to this, maybe maybe you can't, but I think that sometimes for myself, I, I think that massive progress, massive growth in this sport, or quite frankly, in, in a lot of areas of life, um, you know, is just going to take forever, and it's going to take so long, and who knows, and, uh, you know, just it's just excuses, quite frankly, that I come up with for myself in terms of why I can't do X, Y, and Z, or why I at least can't do that short term, why that, that might be a 10, 20, 30 year goal. And, you know, to, to just hear from, from Omen and his, his story of, I mean, starting to run four and a half years ago and struggling to, to run, you know, what do you say? A quarter of a mile. And yet here we are four and a half years later, and he's getting ready to run a 240 mile race. He's getting ready to run for six straight days, you know, with a couple of power naps mixed in, but hopefully going to gonna cover close to 400 miles or over 400 miles in those six days. 
And, you know, I, I just, I just think about myself and knowing myself and, and, you know, if, if I was, when I was four and a half years into my running journey, you know, I was, I was thinking that even a marathon was still, I mean, doable. Cause I'd done one at that point, done a couple at that point, but like that, that was still the pinnacle. And maybe I just set my sights low. And maybe that's another takeaway from, from Ohm is the idea of set your sights big and fail big. And if you, you know, you set your sights big, you set your sights for 400 miles and you, you only run 380. Hopefully I'm not jinxing him here, but that's still a hell of a week of running, you know? Um, and so, so I guess just, just not limiting yourself or not limiting myself in terms of what's possible or in terms of how quickly you can make progress. Now, obviously, again, there's, there's, there's nuance here and you can't just go all in and balls to the walls because that can cause problems too. But, but working up intelligently, listening to your body, all those types of things. But, but maybe, maybe, you know, I keep talking about getting older and getting faster and qualifying for Boston eventually. Like maybe I could speed that process up a little bit by just aiming to do it quicker, you know, by, by still doing the work, by still being intelligent, by still training appropriately. But instead of in the back of my mind thinking, well, maybe 50, 55, something like that's realistic. Maybe 45 is realistic. You know, if I, if I stop telling myself it's going to take me 15 more years, get to work. Maybe it's possible in five years. Who knows? So set, set a big goal, go for it. See what happens. Not a bad strategy when it comes to running and probably not a bad strategy when it comes to a lot of other areas in life as well. But anyway, somewhere in there was my takeaway for today. What about you? What stood out to you from today's episode? As always, if you're willing to share it, I would love to hear it at Dizruns on Twitter, at Dizruns on Instagram, Dizruns at gmail.com if you'd rather shoot me an email. And if you'd rather head over to the show notes for today, get a couple of photos, links, the whole nine from Ohm as well. There's that comment section down at the bottom. Feel free to leave your thoughts, feedbacks, comments, takeaways there. No character limits. No worry about spam bots. None of that type of stuff. Although I guess if you shoot me an email, it's probably not going to get caught up in the spam bot. But anyway, there's the comment section. If you want to leave your thoughts and feedbacks there, I would love to hear it. Dizruns.com slash 1086. One last time, 1086. Get you to the show notes for today. Type away in that comment section to your very little heart's content. And with that, We'll go ahead and wrap this one up. One last shout for Amino Co. today. Uh, appreciate their their support. And uh, the products are good, y'all. So check it out if you haven't done so already. AminoCo.com slash Dizruns. That's A-M-I-N-O-C-O dot com slash Dizruns. Dizruns at checkout. Save yourself 40%. Let me know what you get. I'm, I'm keen to, to like the, the pink lemonade for the perform. Um, and I definitely like that vanilla heel in the coffee post-long run. But I am, I am intrigued about trying the chocolate in the coffee. I'll report back on that down the road. If you try the sour apple in the coffee, let me know. Let me know if that was a mistake or if I'm sleeping on something that might be worth might be worth giving it a shot. Just let me know. Anyway, AminoCo.com slash Dizruns. Thanks again to AminoCo for sponsoring today's episode. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up, y'all. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, hit that share button. If you didn't hit that share button, maybe somebody else would enjoy it, even if this episode wasn't your cup of tea. Although I think this one was a good one. I think most of them are a good one, but I'm biased. What can I say? Anyway, appreciate the time. Appreciate the attention. Thanks for taking us with you today. And until next time, be well. Take good care. Thanks one more time for listening. And uh, we'll talk again soon, right? Later, y'all.